everyone. Happy Thursday. I hope you're ready for this second episode of the podcast. I am so tired doing this right now. I just got back from a girl's trip down to Maryland. A few of us got together once we finally had a break in our schedules and it was just everything we needed. I was some of my girlfriends from high school and I feel like it's just, I'm just so grateful to have friends even 12, 13 years later. And we've been friends since like elementary school. So having those people still in my corner and being able to still laugh our asses off and connect and, you know, just be friends is just, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. So we had such a great time. We got back tonight and I am so ready for this next episode today. I'm going to be talking about anxious attachment and how to detach from a relationship, from friends, thing, anything in your life. I mean, a lot of times our attachment styles stem from childhood, whether we recognize that or not. Women typically have an anxious attachment style, whereas men often have an avoidant attachment style. But today I'm just going to basically focus on anxious attachment. It's something I can definitely relate to, and it's something I've worked on for a while now. If you have an anxious attachment, you'll often find yourself having a large fear of rejection or abandonment. Uh, you, You seek more constant validation and reassurance. And that can usually stem from having an inconsistent parenting from your childhood. Uh, Whether your home life was unstable or just overall confusing, typically, if you have an anxious attachment style, your parents probably, they probably were either super detached or over coddling and they would switch back and forth between the two. They would make you feel responsible for their feelings. Uh, they were easily overwhelmed, and they they placed a lot of the blame for what was going on in their lives on you. It causes you to kind of grow up feeling responsible for everyone else's feelings. So essentially, it's it's turning in turning you into a people pleaser, um, and you also have a lot of codependent vibes. If you catch my drift. Um, Signs that you might have an anxious attachment style would be that you become clingy to someone or things too quickly. You feel jealous easily. You feel unworthy. You constantly seek validation and you fear rejection or being abandoned. And you just have basically an overall difficulty trusting anybody. This ties into your romantic relationships so much. I didn't really date much before my ex-husband and I started dating. I was 18. He was 18 or 19. And I'd only had a couple, a few boyfriends before him. Those boyfriends, two out of the three cheated on me. And one told me I had too many insecurities for him to continue seeing me. So I feel like they did not help my attachment styles by any means. Um, and I feel like that even led to needing more reassurance and not being able to trust people fully and feeling unworthy and being clingy and things like that. So, I mean, even though I was in a military relationship, I was very codependent for also being as independent as I was. I don't really understand, like, I don't really know how to explain that because I'm a very independent person, but I was also very codependent when he was around. Um, because I feel like I maybe just depended on him to be around when he was around. 
because he wasn't around a lot. <laughs> so um, after divorce, I also realized, you know, that I definitely have, have had an anxious attachment style. I constantly saw male validation. I, I needed attention. And I was, I would always think like, oh, if I give them what they want, they'll fall in love with me. If I do this, they'll just, they'll just want me, you know? And I, I ignored a lot of red flags. I would do anything for people. I would settle. That would lead to heartbreak on my part because ultimately I, I was very uncomfortable being alone. So I was very scared to lose people in my life, especially like the guys I was talking to because I, I wanted that attention. I wanted that validation from them. But I also, I feared them abandoning me and I, I was so scared to just be alone with myself. So when I was, you know, talking to guys or trying to date and things like that, you know, they say like, oh, you have a roster, things like that. Like, of course I had, I was talking to multiple people at multiple times because I was trying to date. I was trying to find someone to, you know, actually become a boyfriend. So I would fixate, like fixate on, fixate, fixate, affixate is not the right word. <laughs> fixate on somebody. And I would fantasize about their potential. I would fantasize about what we could be together. Not even knowing a lot about this person, I created who they were already in my head. I, again, saw their potential and it was like, okay, they'll be this type of person. They're definitely this kind of person. And I wasn't really looking at who they really were. I thought more so of who I could make them become. Um, I ignored a lot of deal breakers. Again, like I said, red flags, um, because I ultimately, I didn't want to be alone. I was anxious and attached and I just wanted that validation, that attention, that reassurance. And I also did not want to just keep starting over with another person, even though I knew they were not the right person for me. I always had that, that little voice in the back of my head being like, dude, you know, this is not okay. You know, this person is not giving you what you need. What are you doing? But the fear in me, the fear of rejection, the fear of abandonment was so consuming that I ignored so many of, of the bad things. And I pushed that little voice in my head all the way back and just toned them out. So the last guy I dated before my current boyfriend, I, I realized a lot of my need for attention. I would get super anxious if he didn't text me by a certain time in the morning because I'm like, oh my God, I know he's awake. He has to be at work right now. He, why isn't he texting me? I would get really anxious if we didn't have plans set for the future, like for the, the coming weekend. If I didn't have the kids and we didn't have plans yet, I would get super anxious because being a single mom, you don't get a lot of time to date. So when I had time to go see him, I wanted to fill all the free time I had with making sure I was putting myself in his life so he would fall in love with me. You know what I mean? But he was really not great at reassuring me ever at all. Um, I remember I told him even a couple of times how like one of my love languages is affirmations of being like reassured because obviously I have anxious attachment style. I definitely gave 110% to him because I, in my head, I thought, you know, if I show him more love, you know, he'll eventually 
return the favor, right? Wrong. That's not how it works. It only drained my battery. And when we ended things, I remember being so tired of trying so hard. I was just so exhausted emotionally and mentally. I remember screaming how I just want someone to love me. I just want to be loved. And it's so sad to think about because I have so many people in my life that love me. I have so many things in my life that are amazing and great. And I love myself. Now I love myself more than I ever have. But I feel bad for who I was even when we ended things because I had felt so unloved by one guy that it felt like the world was ending. And looking back now, you know, in hindsight, everything is, you always see things more clearly once, you know, you get past things that happen in your life. But even knowing deep down, like I knew he was not the one. I was still so upset because I allowed myself to get attached. And I loved the potential of who he could have been. I loved the fantasy in my head that I created for the both of us being together. We had only dated for a few months. And in that time, like I was very unfulfilled emotionally. So like I I constantly knew that it wasn't really going to go anywhere. I knew with his goals in life and my goals in life, they would just never align. But I was so anxious and attached and fearing abandonment that I I just clung on. I was like a sucker fish. I just clung on <laughs> and just prayed that things would just change and go in my favor and he would become this person that I had created him to be in my head. So basically, once I realized my attachment style and how unhealthy it was for myself, I really, truly worked on that as far as going forward with dating. I tried to, again, when I was starting therapy and going through that, I was working on being okay with being alone. So I feel like that helped me, you know, it helped push me even more to just reinvest in dating myself a little bit behind the scenes of actually dating and to make sure that I would, I was being okay with being alone. On the other side of attaching, let's talk about detaching. So, Mastering detachment is super difficult. There's a couple different thing, different ways to detach. Um, there's, you know, detaching emotionally and then eventually detaching physically from any relationship, any toxic relationship, whether it's friendship, family, or dating, or everything basically in between. When leaving my marriage, I feel the hardest or the harder thing to do was detach physically. I was very emotionally detached for a very long time. I had realized it's just really hard to physically detach. And a lot of you that I've talked to, again, you're so emotionally done. I know exactly how you feel. But the actual physical part of leaving is one of the hardest things to do because that is the action like I talked about last week, that is your hard choice that you have to make that's going to flip your world upside down. So if you feel like you're just coasting through the days with a person, if you feel like you've lost touch with everyday emotions, if you're avoiding people, if you're, you know, the intimacy between the two of you is gone and you're simply just un uninterested in your relationship, 
I feel like those are huge indicators that you are just already emotionally detached. Being hurt by someone so many times, you know, someone who's supposed to be your person, your partner, that all really adds up to disconnecting you emotionally every time something happens. I feel like there's a a little string, an invisible string that gets broken and cut shorter and shorter and shorter each time something happens within your relationship that just either traumatizes you or goes against what you thought you should be having within your relationship. And eventually that string, it's going to run out. It's going to be cut so short that your, your, you know, your, your emotions of being miserable in that relationship are going to flood into the other relationships and feelings in your life that you're just going to be overall miserable. And that's something that you need to reflect on and start thinking about detaching physically so then you can start your healing process and actually get to where you want to be and get to a happier state in life. Physically detaching from my ex-husband was very difficult. Again, we we were living out of state from where our home was here in New York. And I had thought moving away with just him and my my kids would fix our relationship. Things had sort of been good before we moved, while we moved. But once I moved down there, I realized how alone I was, how unhappy I was with, you know, just being with him. And I was so confused because all of these emotions and feelings of leaving and things like that started flooding me. And I was so confused on that. And I think I just finally, you know, I realized how unhappy I was. And so physically leaving that, it was really difficult. But at the same time, it was a lot easier for me, I feel like, than it would be for a lot of people that I talked to about this. I was able to move back to New York. So that gave that gave us a lot of space. That gave us each a lot of time and space to think about things to start focusing on, you know, who I was as a person outside of the marriage. I was able to just really start living um, and, you know, redirecting my life to being single, I guess. I remember before I I actually left, I went out to visit my brother and my sister-in-law and their kids with my boys. Uh, We lived in South Carolina, and my brother had lived near Myrtle Beach at the time. And the boys and I, we took a little trip out there. It was just a solo trip with the kids. Before leaving on the trip, I was like, okay, I I think I can be, I can do the single mom thing. So the whole time I was kind of on the trip, in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, I got this. I got this. Like, Brandy, you've, you've been doing this a long time. You know what you're doing with these kids. You're capable of doing it by yourself. And being out here by yourself with these kids on a little vacation trip, clearly you can just, you can do it. When I was out there visiting my brother, I had seen and witnessed how he was with his own kids. And I remember just, you know, watching him be so present and playful and kind to his kids. And it makes me so emotional because that's what my kids deserve. That's what that's what any any kid any child deserves is a 
as a parent who is present and loving and kind and not hostile or just not present. And I remember that that pretty much hit the nail on the head for me. And I, from that moment on, knew exactly what I deserved. And it was a lot better than what I had. So going back from that trip is when I brought up needing a break. We talked about me coming back up to New York with the kids for the summer. I remember packing probably 95% of my things and the kids' things in my car. In my mind, I, I knew. I just knew that I was not returning. But I remember being, you know, telling my ex-husband, you know, we'll be back once summer's over. We'll see you when you come up for, we had a couple weddings and things like that. And I remember pulling out of the apartment complex and him saying, you're not coming back, are you? And I don't really, really know what I said, but I probably said, yeah, we'll be back. Or I don't know. I feel like from that moment on, as soon as I pulled out, my my life started. I detached myself at that point. I remember arriving home in New York and just feeling so much weight off my shoulders, off my heart, off my brain. I remember people just telling me how happy I looked and how I was glowing and how just basically overall how good I seemed to be doing. And it really hit me that I, I think it was because I had I had dropped a lot of the weight that I had been carrying by finally just physically detaching. When I was dating, the way I would detach from someone was to just go to the next person. I would just go back on the dating apps and fixate. Why do I keep saying that? I I would fixate on someone new. I would find a new person to talk to, and then I would create a life in my head with them and follow suit with becoming anxiously attached, ending things, detaching by going to the next person. That is definitely not the healthy way to do it. I quickly learned. Really, it's really not the best way to do things. Um, So really, sometimes don't take my advice or don't do what I do. Do as I say, not as I do. And I wish I could take some of my own advice sometimes because I can give great advice. But following advice, especially for my friends, I just talked about this on the girls trip. They're all giving me so much advice, but it's not the advice I want to hear. So I, I kind of tune it out. You know what I mean? But again, do as I say, not as I do. So all in all, detachment is super difficult. It's something that you have to work on within yourself. It's a lot of navigating on figuring out what kind of attachment style you have, really digging deep into why you have that certain attachment style. I highly recommend seeing a therapist if it's something you definitely struggle with because they, you know, the one I saw was super, super helpful in regards to, you know, doing like a trauma timeline and figuring out just exactly from childhood into adulthood why I would act or react certain ways to things within a relationship and why I, you know, always was seeking that constant validation or reassurance and things like that and why I was such an anxiously attached, you know, person. Now, before I close out the episode, I'm going to finish with another Q&A. 
I have a few questions here that kind of tie into the topic that I discussed today. So the first one would be, did you emotionally detach before physically leaving your marriage? And how long were you done emotionally before you actually left? So like I said, I definitely, definitely was emotionally detached before I physically left the marriage. There had been a lot of instances that had happened that kept pushing me away. Like I explained earlier, that invisible string, mine was completely cut and gone. So it, you know, it took a toll on me emotionally and mentally. And I think once I did remove myself from my support system, when we moved down to South Carolina, it really opened my eyes to just see how unhappy and alone I really was and how that string that kept us together was completely vanished. I would say I was completely emotionally detached about a year before I physically left. I was eight months pregnant with my youngest, and I had been sent a video of my ex-husband and a young girl at the bar, and I, I remember I was home, pregnant, taking care of Logan, and I woke up worried in the middle of the night because he wasn't home. He wasn't where he said he was going to be. Those people were worried about him, um, and... That, I think that, that broke me. I remember I lived a lot of my life for him, to please him. I remember being like, I'm having your second son to continue basically your bloodline, to continue your family, to make our family, and you're out there doing this to me. And during this pregnancy, I feel like we... We had kind of been the best we had ever been in my eyes. We were being physically connected. We were emotionally connected. And that, I think, just really, really did it for me because I was shown that even when the good is really good, it it still wasn't good enough for him. And after that, it really sucked because... Back to my first episode when I said that I continuously said, I'm so done, I'm done with you. But then in the back of my mind, I'm like, where are you going to go, Brandy? That's what happened. I was eight months pregnant with going to be two kids and then COVID hit. And there was truly, there was nothing else to do but stay. And so that's initially why I thought moving to South Carolina was going to heal us, to fix us. But in the same aspect, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm just super grateful for the move because it truly helped me open my own eyes and start to respect myself and choose myself. So I had emotionally left, like I said, about a year prior because of that happening. On to the next question. How did you purge social media from all of the memories? So detaching from memories is super difficult, especially when your iPhone really loves to show you, hey, remember this from three years ago? Um, But I really just took the time to do it. I went on Facebook. I, you know, I blocked all of the albums that I have and I removed most of the photos. I mean, I would post a lot just because of the type of business that I used to have. 
And I wasn't about to sit through and delete every single picture or photo one by one or go through and untag things. But I did figure out a way on Instagram where you can mass delete your photos. I literally had over 4,000 posts on Instagram, which is insane. And I think now I don't even, I don't even know if I have like 200. But there is a way to go on and mass delete a bunch of your posts. And that's kind of what I did. So I went through and I just deleted anything and everything that would draw me back to thinking about things or just bringing up bad memories and things like that. And honestly, if you feel like that's way too much work, just delete it. Delete your account. Save the pictures that you want to cherish to your phone and delete your account and start completely fresh. All right, next question says, do you ever see your ex and miss him? Not necessarily missing him, but the happy memories or actions. I feel like I would struggle from this. So in the beginning, of course, you know, especially when you're co-parenting, you see the other person and it's just such an awkward feeling, I feel like, because going from having someone, you know, being your best friend and your partner in life to being basically nothing is just such a wild transition because I would see him and I would I would have things that would have been happening within my life that he didn't know about that I was so excited about and that I wanted to tell him about, but I couldn't. I I felt like I couldn't because that was just a boundary I had to keep and had to set within myself. And there was just a lot of boundaries that I had to create to mentally just move on from the process and not keep my head stuck in the past. And of course, things still trigger memories to this day, especially with the kids or if I go somewhere that we had gone together and things like that. I would, I still think about those good memories, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing because that was once my life. That's, I, you know, we had good memories. So those things that I have that I've cherished way back when, those are things that I still hold on to, especially, like I said, with the children. So, I mean, of course, there's going to be times where I think about things, but I don't miss what was. And then the last question is, how do you get over watching someone who wasn't good for you love someone the way you wanted to be loved? So I feel like you kind of answered this question yourself when you said someone who wasn't good for you within that sentence, because if they wanted to, they would with you. They clearly were not your person. And you have to think about you watching whatever they're posting is probably only the highlight of what they're going through. You clearly left for a reason and you understood that you deserve more. So you should focus on moving forward and finding someone who's going to love you how you want and deserve to be loved. I also think that you should detach completely and block out whatever you are seeing of them loving or so-called loving this new person in their life. Block them on social media. Don't watch their stories. Don't keep tabs on them. Because the more you detach, the easier it's going to be to move on and focus on finding yourself, your worth, and you know, finding that person that is truly meant for you and who's going to love you the way that you deserve and who's going to be good for you. So that concludes this week's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed. Please follow, please subscribe, and please share this with anybody who you feel like needs to hear 
anything that I go over within these these podcast episodes. You can always reach out to me if you have any personal questions or anything like that at Brandy Mark on Instagram. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm.